Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Consensus. I am here with Morella from the Labour Party, Vanessa from the Liberal Democrats, Aziz Minot from the Greens, and I am Koyan from the Conservatives. (laughs) (laughs) Today we will be discussing the upcoming elections which are happening up and down the country, including 32 boroughs across London. The elections are taking place on the 3rd of May, so please vote, guys. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, joke. Yeah. Um, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at the underscore consensus underscore, and our hashtag is consensus podcast. We will be asking some questions, so please do get involved with the conversation. Um, we'll also be having some polls and any jargon we mentioned, we will define them. Do also follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast so that you never miss an episode just typing consensus. Okay, so now that that's out the way... I'm a prisoner of words unsaid. The headlines in the news this week are... On Monday, a packed-out House of Commons held a debate on Syrian airstrikes. The Prime Minister defended her position to launch the airstrikes without the consent of Parliament, insisting it was in the UK's national interest, to which she did face some criticism from both sides of the House. Jeremy Corbyn also faced heavy criticism, dodging questions asking him how he would have voted if there were to be a parliamentary vote. To celebrate the Commonwealth, a number of heads of states have been in the UK. The focus this year has been on humanitarian issues and the UK recommitting to reducing the number of deaths from malaria. The Prime Minister has committed £212 million to try to make sure children living in Commonwealth countries receive 12 years of quality education. This will essentially allow almost 1 million more girls to go into school. With the Queen stepping down as the head of the Commonwealth, it's no surprise that Prince Charles has been chosen as her successor. In this week's Brexit news, the government faced a defeat in the House of Lords. Labour, Liberal Democrats, crossbenchers and Conservatives formed an alliance over an EU withdrawal bill amendment, which sought to retain the option of a customs union with the EU. The peers voted in favour by 348 votes to 225, a majority of 112. This could empower a number of MPs to force a vote on the customs union next week, so we will see how this all unfolds. It was also good to see Tessa Joel return to the Commons, a Labour, an ex-Labour MP and a House of Lords member. She watched a debate on cancer treatment on Thursday. She was diagnosed with brain cancer last May and has been urging more cancer treatments to be available throughout the NHS. And lastly, we have seen the Windrush scandal unfolding. David Lammy secured an urgent question on the controversy, calling it a national shame in an impassioned speech. We have seen the Windrush generation be made homeless, sacked or denied benefits and NHS treatments because they have struggled to prove that they are British. There has also been the controversy of the landing cards being destroyed in 2009. It was interesting to hear Amber Rudd in this 
in the debate say that she was concerned that the Home Office has become too concerned with policy and strategy and sometimes loses sight of the individual. Interesting for her to say that, seeing as that is her department. Again, we will see how this continues to unfold and how the government takes a proactive measure to deal with this crisis as quickly as possible. I'm a prisoner of words unsaid. Aziz, what is a council? A council is essentially a government body that provides like local services and facilities right. to residents of a particular area or mm. region yes nice nice <laughs> wait we've done that right girl and so mel so what then are councillors so councillors are the elected officials who sort of dictate the policy they set the political yeah. direction for the council um much like a government has yeah. like the national government has a ruling party um similar with councillors being sort of almost equivalent to mps so then, what are they in control of? What do they um, what do they represent, and what do they do? So, um, what they tend to do um, is they take responsibility of the things that affect their local council. So, things like, for example, roadworks, um, school places for kids, mm-hmm. and then maybe some healthcare related stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, things as small as you know taking the rubbish out and yeah. stuff like that so it is essentially um taking care of the people in their constituency so listening right. out for their voices and answering to them yeah okay that's that's a good point i think it's also good to mention that um they also are in charge of council tax so that's really yeah. important when you're yeah. buying a house um and determining what mm. area you want to live in as well um i think it's also important guys to remember that this is not a national election yeah, because there's yeah. always people talking about how Brexit's going to affect the vote. Mm. But I do understand because in London, I think about three and five people in London voted to remain. Okay. Um, yeah. There are also EU citizens who aren't able to vote in general elections, right. but they are able to vote in local okay. elections. Yeah. So they might be using that as a vote to punish Westminster and punish the governing party. Mm. Um, I have seen a lot of articles from um, politicians saying this kind of thing, like Sadiq Khan, who has encouraged EU citizens to use this um, as a way to punish Westminster, which Mm. I kind of find a bit foolish, Mm. just because it's a local issue. It's It's a local election, so it's all about things that are happening in your area. So if you're using it as a vote about Brexit, you're playing yourself because yeah. you're not using it as a way to kind of um, discuss issues as council tax or bin collection. But mm. I do understand that to a su- to some degree, people are going to use this election as a way to kind of discuss what government policy is, right. national policy is. Yeah. But what were you going to say, Mel? Well, I think it's, I think that's a valid point. There is a massive separation between national issues and local issues. But when it comes down to it, the amount of seats that parties gain and lose at national, um, sorry, in local elections is a measure of their sort of overall success right. and how people are feeling. It's like a litmus test. So if people are dissatisfied um, with the direction that a particular party is going with, whereas they can't sort of express themselves in a national level until mm. the next general election, they can use this opportunity as a way to sort of demonstrate how they're feeling or perhaps the political allegiance that they feel most strongly about at this point in time yeah what are you gonna say Mm -hmm. i think there's nothing wrong i I get your point about that it is about local issues but i don't think there's anything wrong in highlighting to people who are from europe that they can vote because i think a lot of people don't even know 
that the local elections are happening, let alone mm -hmm. that they're eligible, let alone who the people are actually standing, so the potential candidates or councillors in the area. And I think government more, and, and national government, that should be doing more to highlight the fact that it is a local election because every time there's a general election, we all know about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's bombarded on every single newspaper. It's happening on the radio. Everyone's guesstimating who's going to win and this, this, and that. And when it comes to local issues, as we're saying, it's affecting people's daily lives and... The fact that we're not encouraged or made aware of it to such a the high level that we are for national party, I think it's really important that someone like Sadiq Khan, who has so much influence across London, does promote this to all of his all of his constituents in a sense. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mary. But then again, even um, going back to when we had the conversation about um, the perceptions, the perceptions of political parties, mm. um, something that um, Jules highlighted was how much control the media has mm. and how selective they are in choosing the type of information they cho they choose to publish and let people um, be made aware about. So even that itself, I think, kind of highlights the importance of it because sometimes it's almost like people don't really want you to know the full impact you can have mm. and the full extent to the decisions you make and how they can affect your day-to-day -day life because of how much control they want to have over you and, you know, your community or your constituency. Yeah. So yeah, even more so, that yeah. should be something that encourages us to say, okay, whenever I get the opportunity to do so, I'm going to cast my vote. Mm. Yeah, I think that is so important, the point that you just made, particularly with the media. I think millions of Londoners every day read or pick up the Evening Standard. Yeah. yeah. And that's all, you know, we all know that's edited by George Osborne, the former Conservative Chancellor, mm. and today. Moving on swiftly. I mean, he's a very particular type of Tory. He's not fond of the current government. He lost his job because of Theresa May coming right. into power. She fired him and replaced him with Philip Hammond. He then decided that he wasn't going to stand for election until the foreseeable future. Mm. I'm sure he'll make a re-emergence at some point. <laughs> but the, the fact is that people will read the, the paper, millions of people will read it every, every day. And today, I think I saw the first... Uh, it's probably... It may have been um, previous articles, but there was a two-page spread on Westminster Council and the battle that the Tories are facing there from right. the Labour insurgents. Mm. But, you know, there was one mention of Lib Dems, the Liberal Democrats in that article, which was just, there's EU nationals voting perhaps they may vote for the Liberal Democrats. Oh, my gosh. But out of the hundreds of words on that page, and there was no mention of any other parties at all. You're mentioning Green, right? Wow. That's exactly yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Mm. And also, yeah, uh, just to add on to your points, like, as you said earlier, people pay council tax, which right. is a, a, a large amount of money right. that they're paying every single year that goes into a massive council budget, which is sometimes exceeding, like, £6 million a right. year. Mm. Um, where they get to decide where that money's going and not that many people know that this is that happening is or they're, right. they're even involved in the process of who gets to make those decisions, mm. you know what I mean? And it's just, it's crazy, it's man. Crazy. People do have to wake up to how co council elections really affect the area. If they're yeah. saying that, you know, they don't like something or they feel like not money, much money is invested in their area or their housing, whatever, that's down to your council, council yeah, in absolutely. many instances. Mm. So hold them to account, man. Mm -hmm. um, I think with that being said, um, it, we've stressed that it's really important for people to vote in local elections, but the stats are telling us something different. Right. So um, according to the Electoral Commission, in 2014, local election turnout was 36%. 
And in 2015, for the general election, turnout was 66.1%, and in 2017, it was 69.1%. So you can see that that's nearly double Mm -hmm. the 2014 local election turnout. So why do you guys think that this is the case? Why do you think that less people are turning out to vote in locals than they are in the general election? Is it that they don't understand what the council is and what they're responsible for? Or do you guys think that, you know, people are fed up of voting multiple times or... What do you guys think, think it is? I think there's um, apathy. There's, right. quite, there's quite a lot of that. And <clears throat> I think as well, it just goes back to what we said um, when we're talking about how um, how much importance people view the local elections with. Um, a lot of the time, it's almost as though it doesn't exist mm-hmm. in a way. It's almost, it's almost like an invisible vote. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we compare it to um, the general yeah. election, um, the, the, the general elections vote, and um, even going back to stats, I don't have ex- them exactly, but um, I will tweet them, though, with the account. Mm. Um, I remember looking at them and um, seeing again that I think it was during the financial the financial year 2013 to 2014. Um, again, when we had to look at the comparison between general election votes and local election votes, um, we've, we already know that there's ge- there generally is voters' apathy anyway, but with local elections, it tends to be quite bad. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that tends to be because... People don't actually know um, the impact that I think they, they don't they're not fully aware of the impact of their vote. Yeah. Right. They don't know how much um, influence that can really bring to them, especially yeah. on a local level, on your day to day life level. Yeah. Um, that that I believe that that affects you a lot more yeah. um, directly as opposed yeah. to the general elections. Agree, yeah. But then again, we see a kind of vice versa approach <laughs> taken to them. So definitely, I think it's more so how people observe their their views and how important they feel they're held and the impact that they can have in their local communities I think yeah. that's the problem and there's a general apathy as well that we mm. definitely need to work on yeah fully I think that also another problem is that councillors aren't particularly visible mm. so, right yeah because yeah. it's um I should we should point out that being a councillor is not necessarily a full-time job it is something yeah. that people do to um you know as a extracurricular activity although it's much more serious than that and I think that is the problem is that when you're an MP that is your full-time job Mm, so you know your job is to be out there and to be visible if you're a counsellor that's a lot trickier if you have you know a job and everything else or your other responsibilities to sort of compete with that time so whereas you can fulfill your counsellor ability you know your responsibilities through completing casework and attending the relevant meetings um actually trying to get out there and in your is is far harder i think and that's probably contributes to the apathy that you're talking about Marilla. and politics just seems long i'm not <laughs> even gonna lie like if we t- if we think about the different structures there are there's national government then yeah. there's regional government then there's local elections like what we're talking about even mm-hmm. like and parish as well right yeah, yeah so some places yeah. have parishes as well so it's like yeah. yeah it's just it just seems like such a maze mm. that it's no wonder that people are put off even thinking about what's happening at local elections mm. or even in their council. And I think I think um, what I've noticed as well is that when you're going onto the council websites, which I know a lot of councils have tried to revamp their websites to try and make it more user-friendly. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad and they're so dry. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually true. And they don't they're so say bad. Either, they exactly do. really I don't bad. even want to say all this. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually bad. No, it is. Like, <laughs> even accessing documents where you can find out what people have said, mm-hmm. what decisions have, yeah. have been made, it's 
a minefield. Yeah. And I'm a researcher and it's a minefield. Yeah. So the ordinary person who has a life, who has bills to pay, who has children, who has other priorities, side hustles, whatever, yeah? To think, oh, I just want to find out what happened the other day in my local council. <laughs> but I have to trail through 32 pages. And, you know, the first page is so boring. Like, so just the minutes, bad. the time, who attended, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. I just think they don't make it accessible enough. However, I do know recently, I think a few years ago, a couple right. of years ago, that they started webcasting. Okay. So people can watch meetings mm-hmm. at home um, and follow what's happened. Nice. And a lot of councils... Well, some councillors are trying to draw their party and their residents to watching webcasts, especially when there's a contentious decision at hand, mm-hmm. so that if people are watching, then they can hold them to account and be like, okay, well, you just made this decision and I saw it. And yeah, and then, and then people can feel like they're a part of the process. And then also the councillors will know that they're being watched as well. Right. And that, that's the whole attacking the sort of vi- the visibility element of it. But yeah, politics just seems long. I don't mm. know how they can make local... El- elections or local councils seem more attractive but they clearly need to because mm. 36% is not it's acceptable yes. you're absolutely right it's very, I think also in terms of young people I think they see it as something that doesn't directly affect them so they may be in that stage of their life where they don't really have to think about council tax or mm. um, how often their bins are being collected or issues to do with mm. potholes or um or, or if they have a child, what school they're going to go to. So they don't think it directly affects them. So it's kind of like, okay, so what's the point mm. of voting for them? But whereas with the general, it's more like a... Because of how it's portrayed in the media and it's about, you know, Theresa May versus Jeremy Corbyn, it's kind of... It's sexier, to be honest. It's, mm. it's, it's more out there. People kind of relate more to their MPs than they do to their councillors. Sorry. To a certain degree. So I agree with you <coughs> to a point, but it's do even though people are voting right. in the general election, a lot of times I think they're voting for the leader, not the actual MP. Yeah, yeah mm. that's the more, that's what I mean with regards to the problem of it um, not having that kind of same thing in the local elections because you mm. don't really have like a Theresa May and a Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. It's more councillors, so it's it's not as sexy, it's not as nice, it's mm. not as in, enticing as the general elections. Mm. Yeah, Marilla. But at the same time, going back to what you said about um, like young people not really having um, the view that they're being that directly affected, yeah. I think to some extent we're doing young people a bit of an injustice by saying that because um, I think it's more so a relatability issue as opposed to them not seeing um, certain things that they're directly affected by because a lot of young people most of the time we're the ones having the conversations about okay how much do I need to put down to buy a house it's or true, um, mm. what about when I have a kid um, what about their childcare or things like that it tends to be us having those conversations or even youth centres yeah that, is, that was my point exactly yeah. that um, I wanted to actually go on and say because it, it really does affect young people yeah. especially when it comes to things like you know you said youth centres because councils a lot of councils are financially they're struggling financially and that potentially could be one of the things that faces cuts so it could either be um youth centers or libraries one of the most of them are the ones that get cut first but most of the councillors in place they might not really understand the reasoning as to why these need to be in place that they don't see the benefits of why you need a youth center or why you need a library Mm -hmm. so maybe it is down to our generation to kind of be in those positions yeah i think the problem is is that when it comes down to it with local elections that's when it gets down to the really devolved level for political Mm. parties Um, it will be internal party politics that plays a role in who gets selected as a candidate so 
a lot of the time it comes down to seniority. So who's been in the party, the local party for the longest? Who's been branch secretary for a decade? Oh, I deserve to be put into a safe ward. Um, a ward is part of the borough council, so that is um, the sort of the devolved part wherein people who live in that particular geographic area, which right. will probably be cannot be up to around 10,000 people in London, they will then vote for their councillors. So if it's a really favourable area, then people who have been in that particular, in a, a party stronghold, a safe seat, they will want to be put there because they feel that's their right. And mm. that's when you get people who are elected councillors who aren't necessarily very good at it purely because they feel entitled to it. That's right. Like you were saying, it's kind of like a mini government and having yeah. like a one-party state. Um, Which is why it's so difficult for younger people to get involved because they will be new to the party mechanisms and don't have the weight behind them to support yeah. Can I, can I quickly counter that point? Um, so for the Greens, it doesn't actually work like that. So you join a local party mm. and you go have an internal hustings and it's not about who has more power, who has more seniority. It's really about, do you want to put yourself forward? Okay, there's two people that want to put themselves forward. You can do a... A hustings is basically a debate. You both do a debate and the, the local party will vote on who should stand. Oh, yeah. And so I know that those processes still work, within other parties as well but it's really not about and the reason why I'm emphasizing this more is because I've been able to stand and I haven't been in my local party for that long mm -hmm. so it was more so based on the, my, the fact that I had enthusiasm to want to just join and they mm -hmm. was like okay cool go for it do you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah I think that like there is still democratic process and in, in other parties as well but I think sometimes in certain areas it is it does come down to that because you know particular yeah. personalities are really strong um and yeah, that, that can lead to apathy. Yeah, and I think um, one thing moving forward um, is that we should really consider as well, not even just us here today, but as in generally anybody that is in politics in any way, shape or form, is um, the role of the councillor. They are elected to carry the mantle for their community. Mm. So to what extent do we get, like, to what extent do we allow the whole internal party politics to have more control over who, who has the final say or mm. how much influence they have in making decisions for a community that they have been actually elected to represent? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think... I heard a small, small tea story um, regarding the Labour Party, actually, which yeah. is my friend tried to stand as a councillor um, and she had an internal interview and they said to her, OK, just a scenario, what would you do if um, your local residents wanted X and the party wanted something else, in a way? Right. And she was like, obviously, I have to vote for my local residents. And it was like yeah, we do have a whipping system, so you kind of yeah. have to listen. And this is my particular issue with political parties, yeah. certain political parties in a way, because you do have a whip, and the, the whip tells you how to vote. And as you're just rightly saying, like you're elected for your area, for yeah. your people, yeah. but no, because you have a whipping system, just going to put it out there that Greens don't have a whip. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> True, but then that, that's what the party line is. And if you're elected, you are partially elected because, you know, of who you are, but also the fact that you come... You, ta you come with a brand and that brand is the political party which is a particular ideology or a particular like attitude so I think it's fair to accept that your residents will have to realise that it's still political it's still a political party and um, you will have to you know stick to what you're being told to do you can have the freedom to be autonomous but that can lead to other things like deselection which isn't very good but it does indicate it, happens. it, happens. it, it yeah. does happen yeah. and it's it's Goodness. still a political party at the end of the day and if you subscribe to, if you're a member of that political party it's because you believe in it and what they're saying to some degree 
So you can, otherwise you would be surely an independent. If you really just want to be someone from the people, then you would be that on that platform. But the platform that you're running on is the Labour Party or the Conservatives or the Greens or the Lib Dems or UKIP. And these are the things I think um, we need to do more to actually let our communities actually know because they do have the idea in their heads that there isn't anything like a whipping system. Mm. You don't have anyone else to answer to but them. Mm. And I think the more that we actually take time to let them know, hold on here, I'm doing my best for you, but I also have to answer to them too. Mm. I think there would be less of this kind of disappointment whenever things don't necessarily go the way. Do you think? I think... That's interesting. Not, I wouldn't you know. say less disappointment, but I would say there would be... There would be more of a cushioning. Yeah. I think it would be more of a cushioning. It wouldn't be as much of a hard landing as, like, for example, the stuff with Nick Clegg and all the stuff that went on with the Lib Dems mm-hmm. and him losing his seat and him not them not just being open to say, okay, cool, the reason that we couldn't do this is because the long line matter is we need a deal. Yeah. Whereas if, I'm sure, if they were more open, it wouldn't be as much of a problem as it is up till today. Like, we're still talking about it up till now. So maybe if we did more to kind of let the community know, you know, the kind of, the things that go on behind the scenes, maybe it wouldn't be as... Yeah, I think people, I think there is, like, you. people are absolutely entitled to be disappointed with the politicians that they elect, but there is also the reality at the end of the day of the whipping system, yeah. and that people do have a responsibility to the parties that have given them that platform to be politicians and right. to be elected and to represent people in the first place. No! <laughs> she can't take it! I know. Wait! Are you telling me that we actually agree that there should be a whipping system because you're part of a political no, party? No, I'm not saying that I agree. I'm saying that we need to let our community know more that there is one. Why don't we just get rid of them? Then why have political parties at all? Yeah. Because you can still have the values and the ethos of the party and there are still like policies that they want to put into, pow- into position, but we don't want everyone who joins political parties to have to think the same. We are not the same. Like... As, for example, right, I joined the Green not because I necessarily agree with every Everything, single policy yeah, that they have, but and, I, but and if I dissent from that, I want to be able to dissent. Like, if, mm. if, I, if, I, dis- if I vehemently disagree with something, then why shouldn't I be able to speak out about this? And I think this is mad because it goes into the sort of institutionalism of politics because if we have a whipping system who for example, is white middle-class male whipping, um, what am I trying to say, diverse people into a particular view, then how are we going to get different views out there and the the party to... Do you get what I'm trying to say? I understand what you're saying, but me saying that isn't saying that I agree with the whipping system. Mm. When you have more people, Mm. more people are held accountable for what they do. So more people having knowledge of this system in place Mm. gives them more of a platform to question it. And in doing so be able to have a means to which the whipping system is more likely to kind of be steered away from and turn more be able to be more likely to turn away from the institutionalized the institutionalized things that most of us know that we have to experience because of the state of our political parties so it's more so accountability and more so an exposure of the mm-hmm. realities because a lot of the time what we discuss and what we know isn't what's, what's put out there yeah Hi guys, so just going back to what we were talking about in terms of councillors and how you can have your say in terms of voting. If you want to find out more, you can go to www.whocanivoteforco.uk and just pop in your postcode and you can find out more about the candidates in your local constituency. 
okay thanks for that amazing <laughs> um i just want to go back to a point that mel you actually made before which was interesting about whipping systems mm -hmm. and um and what's currently going on with labor as well um like what we saw in harringay um it's kind of like the central party has kind of whipped the council into voting for mm -hmm. a certain kind of way and i say this because um, you know the leader Claire Cober mm. she resigned she stepped down and it's interesting the reasons that she stepped down for so she was inciting bullying and sexism from Corbyn's supporters and momentum so she actually had an interview with um, Evening Standard and she said sexism bullying undemocratic behavior and outright personal attacks on me as the most senior woman in labor local government have left me disappointed and disillusioned and it was also that she has a flagship um, housing policy and labor's central party so the NEC hmm. they told Harringay Council to stop the policy wow. which is a weird thing for a central party to do so they're basically trying to control the local party as well as the national. I think that local parties and their national party should have it's always going to be it's not going to be the perfect relationship because mm. there is independent thought right. within the framework of you know party beliefs um, but I think it's really inappropriate for mm. a national um, exec for the leadership exactly to get involved yeah, yeah. in a local issue yeah, yeah. If, they, if they wanted to get involved then they were to write the manifesto but they didn't because it's exactly. not their business because they're not running <laughs> exactly. for a council <laughs> <laughs> with that being said and us saying that you know it's important for us to vote and there's low turnout do you think that we should incorporate compulsory voting because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even saying that I agree with it, but it's a, it's a good question to throw out there because voting is supposed to be like a sense of duty, yeah. and jury service is a sense of duty that you are made to do. Right. So if they're both senses of duty, why is it that jury service is now kind of compulsory, whereas voting isn't? And it's it's a well, I don't know if I would say it's more important, but it's kind of on the same level of importance because these are things that will affect your daily lives that mm. you should be voting for on these matters but it's not on the same level as jury service in terms of sense of duty yeah and you were saying in brussels is it brussels Bel belgium, belgium. <laughs> <laughs> that they have a compulsory voting system so yeah what is that um so essentially what they have in um, belgium is a system which um makes it that anyone that's over the age of 18 or over um, if they fail to vote they could actually face a moderate fine right. or if they fail to um, vote in at least four elections um, they can lose the vote to um, the right to vote for 10 years and they can actually face difficulties in getting a job in the public sector no. now I wouldn't um, necessarily say I agree with that approach um, and going back to your point as well, which is very good in terms of the comparison with jury mm. service, I think it's more of a context issue. And because of how political everything is and also mm. the right for a person to make their own decision, I think yeah. that would be why um, it can't be as compulsory as we have jury service to be here. Maybe we can be doing more. I wouldn't say mm. we should do the whole um, fine thing. I think that's a bit extreme. <laughs> but um, definitely, I think we need to do more. Because you know how, like, they say voting and being on the electoral roll is, um, can affect your credit score. So yeah, if yeah. we have more things, like, those like kind that. of incentives, do you yeah. think that could possibly be something that would entice people to vote more? Because, obviously, yeah, if it's definitely. affecting your credit score, which will affect housing, mortgage, etc. 
Yeah. It's a good idea, but I think voting for voting's sake is yeah. not a very good thing because That's then true. people aren't making an informed decision. Yeah. I mean, I have this sort of, you know, fairy tale land where everyone is really politically engaged and read a whole <laughs> range of newspapers and journals and everyone sits down and discusses, you know, like the fine working of economic mechanisms, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. And that's fine. And so, yeah, I think that the best thing to do is to enfranchise people through, you know, extending the voting age to 16, mm. um, perhaps more outreach programs but I mm. think compulsory voting is it, it doesn't really fulfill what about voting on the same day I mean in 2010 I think it was there was a general and local election on the same day and for generals it was 66.1% and mm. then for the locals it was 63.1% but mm. you can see that the turnout is basically double what it was in 2014 right yeah. so I, I totally disagree with compulsory voting simply mm-hmm. because I think the onus is there is a duty of citizens to vote but the onus is on the politicians they're clearly or politics as a whole the right. institution the system itself is not doing something right. right so first of all look at your internal structures before you place blame elsewhere yeah. um, I love to use the analogy of football and I don't know why right? but <laughs> like if a team wasn't doing well they wouldn't blame the fans do you know what I mean? Mm. They would have to be like, okay, cool, we right. need to improve our practice, something's going wrong, maybe it's the manager. Mm. Look to yeah. the senior person yeah. who makes decisions. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we've already said that um, local councils' websites are not that attractive. Yeah. We don't yeah. even know who our local councillors are in yeah, many instances. Yeah. So why don't we think about, yes, in agreement, like um, under or 16-year-olds being able to vote because a lot of them have shown the sort of interest and wanting mm-hmm. to vote. Yeah. Education at school, of, of politics, and right. not just the boring side, but also, <laughs> yes. like, what actually happens on the ground. Yeah. And then what about digital voting? Like, mm. why are we so behind in our system now when we do so many things online that we're not getting people to be able to vote online? online yeah. And it's like... You were mentioning um, before to me that you do proxy voting, right? Yes, no, well, no, I actually do postal voting. Postal, right, right. Yeah, so that's one way of voting. I mean, it's very easy, you guys. Like, you honestly, you have to apply for it. And I'm sorry, the deadline has passed for that. But they send you your um, polling card. You just, you know, you do three ticks and then Mm. you send it back. And it's as simple as that. And you don't have to worry about on the day, oh, I need to leave work early or I need to go in the morning. You've Mm. kind of got it out of the way beforehand and you saying proxy voting so that's um when you're not available on the day you can nominate someone to vote on your behalf mm. but there, i mean you're right that you know we are in a digital age and there does need to be improvements in our voting system but there is postal voting currently at the moment that yeah. a lot of younger people should actually take should actually do and mm. it's more so older people that are doing it yeah um, but it is, it's something that is there and available yeah. to do. So and perhaps... It brings out a much higher turnout as well. I think mm. 70% of postal voters actually vote compared to, mm. as we've seen, like 39.1% yeah. of the electorate overall in um, local Locals, elections. Yeah. But when was the last time... I don't even know the last time I personally sent a letter Same here. to yeah. someone. But I, I sent emails. But you do postal voting and it's like 
that is not of the age anymore. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, let's get with the times. Seriously. It's true, but it's there currently at the moment. Ha- we can't have it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't have it all. And and if we are at this point in time where there is the option to do postal voting, then you should take that opportunity to do it. It's like, we're talking about um, digital voting, etc. But that's something that's not going to happen right away. Mm. But if we can now engage more people to vote and there is a system in place that is a lot easier than going to a polling station mm. then more people should take it up and yeah i agree. i definitely agree with you yeah. but equally think that I, compulsory yeah. voting is not yeah. no i'm not, not saying that i agree with it but it's a, it's a question to put out there which yeah. um i think it's good that we discuss yeah yeah i have a quick thing that i just remembered so if you want to ask your local councillors or anyone um who represents you any question there's a website called what do they know okay. um and some people use this in terms of like a campaign so you might sign a petition and the petition um speaks about x and you also want to get the view of your local representative right nice. um so yeah you type it in on this website it has preset text or you can edit it yourself mm. um and then it sends it out to all of the people in your area and you just wow. have to write in your postcode or your local area oh, yeah so it's really good so what do they know okay so you know guys again we said that there's a local election on the third of may tell us who you're gonna vote for and also do you know why this is gonna be interesting because a lot of older people said the things that the two things you don't talk about is who you vote for who you vote for and religion so let's just see if we as a young generation are different and we don't care about telling each other who we're going to vote for yeah. so you might not go but green <laughs> for myself <laughs> awkward <laughs> <laughs> okay but what do we expect from the 2018 elections guys i think it's going to be quite an interesting night especially mm. for the conservatives um and in London especially, because, yeah. you know, there's the whole, oh, Labour's going to paint the town red. It's gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot more seats that they're going to have to defend, um, especially now in the 2014 election, Labour, they did significantly better than the Conservatives. So they're defending their own seats, but also trying to grab from Labour as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a few target seats that I've noticed um, is my council, so that's Barnet. So that used to be... Um, no, sorry, the Conservatives used to have a hold on Barnet, mm-hmm. but now they don't because mm-hmm. the leader stood down because they were deselected. And, yeah, so they resigned. So now it's all marginal. They were deselected? Yeah. Mm. And then and and he, no, <laughs> he had been there for, like, eight years, and he just was just deselected. So it's a bit ruthless, oh, like you yeah. were saying. Like, mm. it's quite ruthless. So after eight years of service, just like that. Pretty sure there was more selected. Yeah, yeah. but there were some others as well that were deselected. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so that one's... So Barnett, now I've... Uh, her talks that okay it's gonna be um labor's gonna grab that seat but actually if you think about it barnet is very much a jewish community the jewish community is high in barnet so especially with the whole anti-semitism right. and jeremy corbyn being at the forefront and it's not just in the um, national party it's in local parties yeah. as well i wonder how much of an influence that's gonna have in the local election and mm. um, there's obviously also kensington as well i mean after grenfell and how the um, the council have acted and reacted to that and mm. what's currently going on you know a number of people are still not being housed that is something for us to watch out mm. for i mean mm. i do think that it will be difficult for labor to um 
gain over control in Kensington but definitely I would like to see what turnout will be from the people in yeah. this in this um, borough um, but for definitely it's gonna be a tough night for the Conservatives in London um, I do hope they do manage to take some seats, especially in Sutton and Sheem, guys. Sutton, sorry, yeah. Sutton. That Lib Dem council has been there for 30 years. And they are the greenest, wow. greenest they are, in the no, country. they are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they are actually terrible. If you see... Okay, so we're talking about bins. It's embarrassing that bins are at national level. Like, I, I, they are... They've been in the national press. It's been mentioned in Prime Minister's question times. The residents are frustrated, but the council were like, you know what, we're going to do it anyway. They told them, do not do this. The residents also told them, don't do this, because we want our bins to be collected weekly. They're like, no, fortnightly, it's going to be great, everything's going to be fine. And then they went ahead with it, and it's been disastrous. Daily, my job involves contacting the council about oh, this bin oh collection. But this is what we were saying before, about when you have a one-party state in mm. a borough, the council become complacent and they do things for themselves instead of the people. Mm. I feel like GT sort of obliged to point out that bins are also a problem for the Labour-run council in Birmingham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the shade! The shade of it all! Um, but these are the kind of I mean people think these kind of issues are like sort of petty and inconsequential yeah, but you know it's the real it's the real life stuff that, that local elections yeah. really do sort of have that influence influence on yeah I think Greens are going to do really well so just to put out there we have 165 councillors um, currently and four councillors in London and they are working so hard not only to keep their seats but also to expand and, and have more because working as a lone green on a council and um Caroline Russell is the only opposition per, like councillor the only opposition to all Labour like wow. that is very tough and yeah. as you were just Islington. Islington yeah mm. and it's ruthless because um Actually, sorry, I really just want to quickly tell you something. So I met someone the other day, I was at an event, mm -hmm. and I just introduced myself and I said that I work for the Green um, mm -hmm. Assembly members. And she said to me, I don't want to um, speak to you because I'm Labour. And I was like, <laughs> what, we're here to talk about youth crime? Hold on a second. This is a community issue. So the tribalness of it gets it's so horrible. deep, especially yeah. at local elections. I think uh, it's right. more ruthless. Yeah. And so being the only opposition councillor in such a... In such a top, like very very labour council, it must be so tough. So yeah. I think Greens will do really well because they see the work that they're doing. Like residents see the work that they're doing. So I think they're going to get more. How um, does she yeah. do it? Like I that mean, is actually crazy. And that's not her only job. She also works in the London Assembly. So it's, wow. it's, it's tough. Do you know what I mean? But it's you have exactly to. what you were saying, Queen, about a one-party state. Uh, Islington, you have Emily Thornbury and Jeremy Corbyn as the MPs. They're two of the most high-ranking <laughs> Labour MPs in front yeah. bench. They have an overwhelmingly Labour um, Labour council. Where is the opposition? Opposition, electing a decent opposition is as important as electing the, um, the, the people who control. Right. Yeah. You need that diversity or it's not really a democracy. Yeah. When people yeah. say London's going to turn right. red... That is not a good thing. Yes. Yes. If you support Labour, you do not want this to happen mm. because you're going to still see, again, like we were saying, these internal party politics right. issues. Right. It's going right. to be a handful of individuals that really hold the power and they will not be representing Preach. you. They are representing their own That's interests. Right. That's it. I have and to clap for that one. Damn pretty old bitch. Girl, come on. And that's 
why we need turnout to be high in local yeah. elections. Yeah, seriously. Yes. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a joke out here, bro. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> but no, guys, um, just rewinding it back. What do you think, Morella, about Labour? How are you feeling? Um, do you think London's gonna turn red as not everyone says? Not at all. Yeah. Um, I had a read um, of an article um, in the Fabian Review mm. um, written by Glenn O'Hara, and he used to be a journalist um, for The Independent. Mm, okay. And um, he was also, his article was basically discussing um, the likelihood of the Labour Party's um, success and their standing in right. the, um, future local elections. And um, I'd like to quote him here saying, Labour is likely to come away with a medium-sized haul of new councillors. Mm-hmm. Um, highlight medium-sized. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back now, in mid-March, uh, we saw that Labour led the Conservatives in the polls, but they led the Conservatives in the polls by just 0.6%. Whoa. Yeah, they made such a big deal about that. But <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a scrape. Yeah. It wasn't a win, it was a scrape, yeah. in my opinion. And, you know, we can see that the, La- the Labour Party isn't actually performing quite as well against the Conservatives as they were in the early 2014. Mm. So, in my opinion, I believe that the likelihood of the Labour Party losing seats is a lot stronger oh. than them, you know, this whole paint the, the, paint the city red. And I really don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, again, as well... Just going back to um, the Labour Party and them um, lagging in the polls um, at the time of the 2016 local elections. Um, I'm not going to stray too far from that. I think we're probably going to see some seats um, being lost. But then I definitely um, agree with Mr O'Hara in his um, statement of us having a um, medium-sized hall of new councillors. So yeah, I think we'll lose seats. It's not. That's I think that I think the complacency um, of the Labour Party is catching up. Okay. Okay. I don't think that it's going to be as um, red as it's been made out to be, but we'll see. We'll see on the night. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. That's interesting. I think it's also interesting to mention UKIP as well. Yeah. And how, like they basically irrelevant now. But it will be interesting to see in places finally. such as is, is Havering. <laughs> Honestly, finally, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God you're gone. Get okay, out of here. Get like, out. Go away. The boat is still out there, though. But exactly, exactly. Who, gonna... who? What's gonna happen? Because in places like Havering, I think yeah. they have six, six. councillors. Yeah. <laughs> what's gonna happen um, with them? And I think that in places like Croydon, they were only putting in one candidate for per ward, so they really are reducing in numbers and. Maybe they're absorbing back into the parties in which they came from, in a that way. Because UKIP what ha- has been its own party for, for a while, but the, the surge that they had and the, the real yeah. support that they, they gained in the more recent years, kind of it came from somewhere. Yeah. Do you know so what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see where, the, where if they do lose um, those six seats in Havering, which mm. party it does go to. So does that yeah. mean that more UKIP supporters now are originally from Labour or are they originally from the Conservatives right, so it'll so be interesting, interesting to see yeah Sadiq Khan is a very pro-EU Labour mayor but then you have Jeremy Corbyn who's very ambiguous on Brexit as the Labour leader so UKIP voters who identify as I don't know probably left-leaning in like you know the old Labour respect yeah. there is an avenue there for them but then again it's so difficult it's... I definitely agree with you um especially in terms of, like, Jeremy Corbyn's ambiguity. Um, we definitely saw in the beginning that he was more so of... Um, he wanted to leave. 
I mean, he still does. But he decided to um, stay because he has to, you know, merge and blend into what the Labour Party wants. Yeah, so again, we kind of see the whipping system <laughs> in play once again. Yeah. Well, I know you, Amel and Aziz, are standing in Ooh, this election. Yes! Amazing, amazing, amazing. I just want for our listeners to just kind of understand how you got to where you were and any support and advice you could give to them. So what made you guys decide to stand? Um, So I never really wanted to be in politics at all, even though I studied politics at (laughs) A-level and at uni. It was just, I was trying to be smart, like do an academic degree and then go into acting after. But anyway, um, whilst I was there in my final year, I decided that I really wanted to get work experience in my industry. And I thought, you know, I I just really want to see if it can work. So I started volunteering at the Citizens Advice Bureau and then I applied for a job working with the local Green Party Mm -hmm. up in Coventry. And at first I was like, can this ruin my sort of political career if I were to go with one particular political party? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well... It's the Green Party. I know that a lot of people do, like, don't mind their values, so why not just go for it? (laughs) So I applied for the job and didn't get it. And they asked them, okay, so what did I do? Why didn't I get it? How can I improve for next time? And the the lady who interviewed me, she um, she was so taken aback by the fact that I even asked all these questions. She said, you know what, come down and do volunteering with us just so you can see what it's like and you can get some personal hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. So I remember this was like... November 2014 and because the local elections were coming up the following year and we were in the cold and I was just watching these group of people knock on people's doors with the current councillor asking people's views about um, a proposed development and I I just remember having like an out of body experience looking at him thinking you are actually asking your local residents' views and you're going to take them to council. Like, this is so amazing. Mm. I really wish I had experienced, you know, a councillor knocking on my door asking my mum or my parents any Mm. views or being around enough so that I could actually see what you do and value you as a a councillor for my area. And so from then, I was like, yeah, I'm sold on Greens. Like, you you are about this. (laughs) You're not not about it just for elections. Like, you're actually about it. And so... They encouraged me to stand in 2015 as um, a local councillor there. Um, And that was really just to sort of help and support and also understand what it is to be a councillor and really take on that role. And I thought that was such an amazing experience. So when I came back to London now, I joined my local party um, and they just saw the fire in me, Mm. like being so passionate about the fact that the trains and the buses don't link up in my area and I'm like why do we have so many patches on our road why is it just not nice one smooth tarmac do you know what I mean like, <laughs> why have we got patches or why don't we have appropriate cycle areas just just all these things that I was just so yeah. aggrieved by and they said yeah well then you should stand and I was like oh yeah I should stand should I? <laughs> <laughs> this is all local council stuff so that's that's oh, in short how it happened awesome yeah. awesome um, so Mel, I know that you know there's two weeks to go to the election, so everything must be so busy. What are your campaigning days like? Well, it's definitely escalated. So um, I've basically been knocking on people's doors and bothering Southwark for about a year now. It start- wow. Yeah, it started with a Theresa May calling the election. Um, I was just a regular volunteer then. I'd coordinate sessions. We'd go out three, four times a week and. Um, we would stick to a particular patch um, award of the borough or the constituency. Um, and sort of a few months once the election had, had finished, I was campaigning for um, Sir Simon Hughes, who is just absolutely wonderful, one of the best constituency MPs that, you know, 
that have that that has been mm-hmm. unfortunately he lost his seat as a result of certainly national politics and the keep the tories out um mantra yeah um but regardless um it was a really a, a fun experience it was really fun i like talking to people and i i also found that i became far more confident as a person and I saw myself changing and awesome. um, yeah I mean you know I'm gonna big myself up it was yes girl <laughs> it was a big leap and I think a lot of people who are listening to this I hope that you know that you yourself can do that as well yeah you know like we all yes. have this in us all of us here we're just people off the street and then but we still have all these like you know that doesn't stop us from wanting to uh, to go out there and do certain things and mm. um so yeah, campaigning has been pretty relentless. But what we do at the moment is we will we schedule to go out four times a week, um, especially now that we've got into these more um, like you know the end is in sight. Right. Um, we'll spend a few hours out knocking on doors. We'll have sort of you know the list of the doors that we go to, and it's a numbers game. That's how elections work. Yeah. You figure out who is going to vote for you, and you identify that through canvassing, which is door knocking. Um, so it is a numbers game. Um, what one of the things you do is identify what's called a shuttleworth. And that will be the figure of people that you've figured out who will probably vote for you on polling day. And the whole point of canvassing and campaigning is to identify those people and get them out to vote for you so that you can win. And that's what we're, we're doing at yeah. the moment. And it's really exciting. It's really fun. It's really nice to engage with people. Um, but oh, It's tiring. But that's <laughs> the point. It's yeah, meant to be at this point. You're meant to be exhausted yeah. and a little bit ratty. Um, that shows that you're working hard. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you guys think? Do you think that, like especially for young people Mm. running for council is uninviting and maybe women as well because like you were saying before some people this is not their first job it's not their only job some people do it on the side they have young families so like you said now that you're every day campaigning you're going and knocking on people's doors but if you have young families and you don't have a nanny or a babysitter for example you're going to have to bring your child along and is that really convenient for you so do you think that's really off-putting for a lot of young people I think that's entirely fair. It is a massive commitment and it is a responsibility not to put mm. people off, but it is serious. Yeah. Um, but one of the first things, we've done workshops with all our other council candidates okay. and other people who help us and they say, you're gonna have, you will have to rely on a strong support network to get mm. you through. You are going to have to go to your parents, your siblings, your friends and be like, can you look after my child? Can you help me take all the clothes yeah. from the laundry? Can you cook me food? And, and you know people will support you to do that because it is such a wonderful and rewarding responsibility to be elected mm. but getting there is a team effort yeah. um, but no you're right there isn't enough there probably isn't enough in place to support people with families in that. Mm. and just as you say it's a team effort and not a lot of not everyone is afforded that luxury because yeah. team is a luxury you know having a support system is a luxury and it's unfortunate that the the council elections and the role of the councillor isn't valued much more in society and when i say society i don't even just mean people because as you said they get remuneration right and that can be up to ten thousand pound so to take on such responsibility and you're having evening meetings after work meetings that's not to that's not including how many times people are going to contact you about issues that they personally want dealt with that you are going to have to deal with perhaps maybe society doesn't place enough value, value mm. on 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 the role that councillors actually play themselves so therefore right. it's not attractive to people who have um financial difficulties mm-hmm. or they don't yeah. have enough support because what is ten thousand pound in yeah. london today do you know what i mean not if, you're, if you're if you're if you're looking after a family right. so it's not to to discredit the role that of councillors or the work that they do but maybe as society we need to elevate that status even mm. more so people want to vote for them and two people want 
people from different backgrounds want to even enter that sort of sphere as well. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so Mel, I heard about some of the Lib Dems are doing and I'm actually saying that this is a great thing. So oh, I thank you. <laughs> well, well, that's coalition or yeah. go to bed with the Tories, are we? <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading that um Eric Lubuck, um, a former Lib Dem politician, following his death, um, the London region Liberal Democrats created in his memory a fund um for um was it to improve diversity and for underrepresented groups? Yes. So have you benefited from this or have you, do you know someone who's benefited from I, such a group? I have and I, I have benefited and yeah, um, so it was a really good initiative. So yeah, um, yeah as, as Lord Avebury, is, he, um, he, when he passed away, the London um, Liberal Democrats, which represents Liberal Democrats in London as the whole, who are also a campaigning body in themselves mm. and provide support, infrastructure and in this case money, to local parties. Um, The idea was to be able to provide candidates um, from minority backgrounds, and that includes people with disabilities as well as being ethnic minorities, um, and to to provide them with funding to achieve a a campaign activity. Mm -hmm. So um, we spent the money in um, our ward. I did a series of Facebook videos um, that were going to be... And the money that um, was allocated to us was to use to boost the Facebook videos because they were actually... Um, cause yeah. And so I was able to talk about our three key policies. Um, we had the boost paid for and we've reached quite a few people in the ward, which is fantastic. Um, that's really good. Yeah. That's and good. that's, so the, the process was an application which, um, candidates would fill out and the money would then be sort of re- reimbursed to them once they sort of identified how they were going to use it. But it's very valuable and yeah. yeah, I think it's a really good initiative. Yeah, I really think mm. it's a good initiative to try and get, especially minority groups standing in council because, of course, like you were saying before, a lot of them will just be the stereotypical, you know, older white man, for mm. example. But having such um, funds could encourage more younger people and ethnic minorities to, you know, stand in council to represent yeah. more people and the electorate that looks like them. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, because what I guess what we're skirting around a little bit is that you have to pay for stuff yeah. to run a council. You have to print leaflets, you have to make mm. them, you have to pay for ads, you have to even pay to stand when you're standing in different positions. So it's taking that financial burden away from people who just want to serve their country and their yeah. region or their yeah. community is a great is a great initiative and that's greens also have something very similar um the details are going to be released later this year um but that was also a memory yeah. of, of someone that passed yeah so it's really really good um so would you stand morella you know what <laughs> <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot but i think it's no, great it's to have this. um to be honest it's not something i would never consider mm. And it's something I've actually discussed and said, hmm, maybe I will decide to stand one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's but, good. You have people like, you yeah. know, Aziz and Mel that are, that are like yourself and who are standing. So it's basically telling people and showing people that, look, you're never too young to stand. Yeah. And you don't need the experience. You don't need any certain experience or qualifications yeah, to stand. Too. You just want to be able to make... You just want to have to make a difference in your community. Yeah. And mm. definitely just going back to even me deciding to make up my mind as to whether I would definitely stand mm. is that um, I feel very, um, like, privileged to have, like, 
these girls as like people yeah. I can actually speak to and actually get like the real tea on what, <laughs> what it means to be a counsellor because yeah. you know a lot of the time if you don't have someone that's in it what you tend to get is this whole um, heap of glamorising sexy information mm. and it does actually highlight the realities like mm. the day to day realities like yes like um, Mel said you're going to be very tired you're going to be exhausted you may be a bit ratty but that's how it's supposed to be because of how much time and energy you have to invest in what you're doing and your cause as a counsellor mm. so definitely that would probably be what I would use to make up my mind. A lot of people do use this as a stepping stone, and there are also youth councils as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's so. youth councils, yeah, and young mayors of the council. Mm. Also, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can get involved. And the thing I always say as to why I stand or why I'm involved in politics and why I think young people should is because there are things that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know everything about politics. No one's expecting you to be clued up to the nines about yeah. what happens, how the process works, every single policy in a political party or just policies that you would have because you're an independent. No one's expecting that of you. All they're expecting is that you are dedicated to the role and you are willing to learn. And that's yeah. really what every type of job requires from you anyway. Yeah. You know, Yes, there are some jobs that you need certain qualifications, but in politics, it's just about passion. What are you passionate about and how do you want to be in the right spaces um, to be able to make that change happen? Mm. So young people, go for it, man. Seriously, Come on go now. For it. We need more young people it's just so stepping up and putting these old people to shame. Well, <laughs> I do think that's us done for this week. Already? Oh, I know. Oh. It went by so quickly. Um, but yes, guys, like we were saying, we've really interested the importance of voting on the 3rd of May. Did you hear the 3rd of May? It really is important to have your voices heard, especially on these local issues that yeah. affect your daily lives. Um, again, follow us on Twitter. Um, we will be having a poll. Let us know who you do plan on voting voting for if you are intending to vote which you should be intending to vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our twitter again in case you forgot it is at the underscore consensus underscore well bye guys bye, bye. i'm a prisoner of words unsaid just lonely feelings left away in my head I trap myself further every time I stay quiet. I should start to speak, but I stop and stay silent. And now I've made my own hard day inside this prison of words unsaid. P.O.W. That's what I am. Not a prisoner of war. Take it if I came clear, or would you rather just see me stolen on a drug of complacency and confidence?